situation. He took a pinch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Please. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor? The castration of the major league baseball managers. We know it. Ask me about my winner. Congrats to Draymond Green and the Golden State Warriors for winning their seventh NBA championship, fourth, obviously, in the last eight years. And I tell you, for a show that nobody friggin' listens to, Draymond responded to my comments that were very critical of him during games one through four, was good in game five, was great in game six. And you're talking about a player that is full of the the intangibles. It's not like he's going to go out there and score 50 points in a game. Um, is considered quarterback at that offense and that defense. And for somebody, like I said, who has spoken so much and has so much to say, he did a lousy job in the first four games of that series. But was the major reason, along with Steph Curry, that the Golden State Warriors notched their fourth NBA championship in the last eight years. Throwing a random name out there. And it's Anthony Rendon of the Los Angeles Angels. Obviously opting to have wrist surgery, which is going to cost him the rest of the 2022 season. And there's a couple different tentacles that are kind of sticking out of that one. Obviously, you want to talk about the contract. Uh, $245 million over seven years has not worked out to this point. There's the other element of the same old Angels. Angels, uh, if you look back at the last decade or so, have dished out a lot of money to really good players and have not gotten the dollar amount or the value in regards to the players that they've dished out money to. You could talk about C.J. Wilson, who was right there along with Albert Pujols in the beginning of the 2010s, and obviously other players that have come by since, whether it's Josh Hamilton Rendon is certainly at a, a good example. Justin Upton, the big deal he got over his good half season he had after he was traded from the Detroit Tigers. Uh, many players have come to the other L.A., uh, the outside of Los Angeles and Anaheim, the Angels, and they have not performed. And like I said, you're looking at good players with good track records, and the only thing you have in your favor is hindsight which is 2020 in every situation when you're looking back and saying that their deals didn't work out. And then you're wondering, is this an Angels thing? Is this just a curse where whoever joins the Angels ends up not being the player that you'd see on the back of their baseball card or obviously in the era that we talk about right now, um, their baseball reference page. And, and, and I think about that because, you know, there's a, a, a big name player, a player that won the MVP last year, one of the more transcending players in the sport that is going to be up for a new contract pretty soon. And whether the Angels are bright enough to ink them to this extension right now or they wait till the offseason or whenever the time comes, there's going to be an argument over the dollar amount and value of that of Shohei Otani. Because Shohei Otani obviously does two things very well. And you think about two premium positions that in most cases you need two distinct players to, to fulfill. 
you know, Tani is the designated hitter, won the MVP last year, and he, he I don't think he would have won the MVP if he didn't have the offensive season that he had last year. He was very good as a pitcher, but was a better hitter. And you're talking about somebody that throws the ball 100 miles an hour, hits the ball 100 miles an hour off the bat, could hit 40 home runs, could potentially strike out 200 batters in a season. It's something that the game of Major League Baseball has never seen before. And listen, you know, this isn't the first discussion about how good of a player Shohei Otani is, but this is around the time where we're starting to try to quantify that and exactly what type of contract it's worth. And the backdrop of this whole thing is the Los Angeles Angels. The fact that this has been a snake-bitten team over the last decade, they've been lucky enough to have the best player in the sport in Mike Trout, the three MVPs, the fact that every time he's on the field, all he does is hit, he hits home runs, um, he hits for average, obviously gets on base, plays good defense in the outfield. He's the best player in this game, and he's been it for the majority of the past decade. And the Angels can't get themselves to the playoffs. But most importantly, the Angels can't seem to give other really good players around Mike Trout to give them the best opportunity to win. Now, Shohei Otani does that from a performance standpoint. Like I said, he won the MVP last year. Not putting up the same great offensive numbers this year, but he's pitching well. And like I said, you're talking about a position that Otani fulfills that you need two players to do. You need a top pitcher, and he is certainly a top um, top of the rotation starting pitcher. You go out there and you get that pitcher, it's going to cost you $20 million, maybe even $30 million a season. You want to get that designated hitter. Now, Otani's not playing much in the field. In fact, he's not playing in the field at all outside of pitching, but you're looking for a left-handed power bat that can hit 40 home runs in a season. Maybe you could get that for fifteen to twenty million. Maybe you pay twenty million or more. Certainly, if it's a, a Bryce Harper, right? He's the designated hitter for the Phillies. Um, probably the most valuable designated hitter out there in baseball. Jordan Alvarez will jump into the conversation and say, "Hey, what about me?" And, and there's there are certainly some other players that would probably be close when it comes to the average annual value to about thirty million. So the the discussion is. And it's a real discussion. I, I listen to it and I say, no, you can't really do that. That's my answer. But it's a real discussion about potentially paying Shohei Otani both as a pitcher and as a position player. So are we talking about baseball's first $50 million player? Like I said, it's in the backdrop of the Angels that can't seem to get out of their own way when it comes to bringing in um, complimentary players to Mike Trout. And the issue, and I hope that you don't let the people from the outside to say, oh, it's a lot of money. You know, there's the money police out there. And a lot of people that cry the most about player salaries are the ones that, you know, wouldn't know that amount of money if it smacked them right in the face. In other words, they're so separated from millions and millions of dollars that they just speak out jealousy. You know, that's all it is. It's people that are jealous. Hey, I don't make that kind of money. Players play and they get that kind of money. And it's understandable from a human um, from a, hum- a human element to understand that there's jealousy that comes with that. But I want to silence these critics for a second and tell them it's not that important. It's a, a supply and demand issue. 
that exist in baseball because there's so few people that could do the things that these players can do. And the demand says that there's 30, in some cases almost $40 million a year that can be issued out to these players. And one contract doesn't have anything to do with the other. The fact that Anthony Rendon's got a broken wrist and has been a disappointment, he's been a bust in regards to the seven-year and $245 million contract that he got from the Los Angeles Angels, that has nothing to do with how much money they should pay Shohei Otani. Albert Pujols, a 10-year deal with the Angels that he didn't make it till the end. Now, listen, that gave him more of an opportunity for Jared Walsh to play. Obviously, Otani there is the everyday DH. There's less at-bats for Albert Pujols, so I think it was more just as much for the player as it was for Albert Pujols' performance for him to not make it through that last season. But 10 years, first couple were okay. Nothing was on par for the 11 seasons that he had with the St. Louis Cardinals. And I think that's something that is going to resonate in the minds of Angel fans, but just as much resonate in the minds of other baseball fans because you're thinking, well, this is the same team that signed Pujols for 10 years. This is the same team that signed C.J. Wilson for a multi-year contract that didn't work out. In fact, a multi-year contract that forced the owner, Artie Moreno, to say, hey, no more multi-year contracts when it comes to starting pitchers. He actually changed their philosophy. Whether it was Billy Epler, whether it was Perry Minison, they, they're not allowed to sign a pitcher to a long-term deal. Now, Otani is probably the exception because he does more than just pitch. Like I said, he's an ace type of pitcher. And then he goes out there and DHs the other five days and even DHs in, in days that he pitches. Is he worth $50 million a year? And I think you have to look at the two elements completely different. Not the woe is angels. It's going to be another bad move. You can't pay him and Trout X amount of money. You're going to have to if you want to keep them. And the question is going to be, is, are you talking about baseball's first $40 million player? Or do you find something that's over the, the duration of a long enough period? We could get away with a lower average annual value. Because maybe the Angels' best move in this situation is to sign Shohei Otani to a 10 to 12 year contract. A contract that's going to pay him, you know, into the latter part of his 30s and even to when he's 40, just to maybe get the average annual value down. That would probably be the best business decision if I was the Angels. Just commit the money over a longer term, a longer period of time, understanding that there's going to be some dead years in there. Remember, you know, obviously hockey, it's different because they they actually uh, do some things by curtailing the value of the contract by having um, $250,000 seasons at the end. Remember the Ilya Kovalchuk deal that he signed with the Devils. Um, last couple of years, 250000 300000 you knew he wasn't going to play that long, even if he fulfilled the obligations of the contract. And I don't want to get into this situation. You know, Kovalchuk, one of my favorite hockey players over the last decade or so, and his decision to leave the NHL and the New Jersey Devils to go play in Russia uh, was was one of one of my uh, I don't know really pissed off moments that I've had in the world of sports. But I bring his contract up. 
you know, for, for that reason. He signed a 17-year deal with the New Jersey Devils with the understanding that he wasn't going to play for 17 more seasons. Perhaps something like this could be brought up when it comes to Otani, who right now, along with Trout, is kind of the, you know, uh, face A and face 1A of the Los Angeles Angels at this moment. And the issues, yeah, they're pretty deep in that organization. But I'll tell you one thing, as I finally back off this topic, one thing that is not the reason, or was not the reason, that the Angels are a bad team and are struggling right now is clearly the manager situation. They made a decision to fire Joe Madden. And listen, sometimes you know executives get upset. Sometimes bosses get upset. Sometimes owners get upset. And, you know, the natural reaction from being upset um, is is to make some sort of drastic change. And we've looked at the position of the Major League Baseball manager for many years. And obviously, if you've followed the past ball show over the last three, four years, um, you've, you've watched the responsibilities of the Major League Baseball manager in regards to X's and O's not being what they were before. Now, you know, I've kind of gone a little overboard when I've said, hey, the manager position is useless. I don't, I don't believe that it's useless. I believe they just have a redefined role. Um, their responsibility when it comes to keeping the players motivated to come to work. Um, having the players feel good about themselves. You know, you don't want, hey, if, if, if shit hits the fan or, you know, team starts to struggle a little bit, all of a sudden the players stop caring. All of a sudden, the players start pointing fingers at each other. That is on the manager. And if stuff like that starts to happen in the clubhouse, even the most experienced Major League Baseball manager is going to have to own up to that. You're going to have to stand up and take that as something that you could do something about. You know, Don Manningly made the decision to air out the Marlins grievances when it came to uh, Jazz Chisholm a, a couple weeks back. Now, the Marlins responded by winning some games, but they've gone back to the, the mean since then. So it's, it's something, it's a moment, probably not intended to jumpstart the franchise, but uh, to, hey, say, hey, there's issues out there. There's people talking shit about a star player that's on this team. And these are other players that are on the team. So stop being that you know little sea hag that's standing at the coffee machine talking shit about your fellow employees and go out there and, and, and say what it is that you have to say. And Don Manningly, I thought, used a great um, example of what it is to be a Major League Baseball manager in the game right now by calling that meeting and putting that together. To me, he proved himself as the person that should be leading the Miami Marlins for years going by. Now, at some point, the winning culture in Miami has got to change, just like in, in Los Angeles. You know, Mike Sosha uh, basically sat at the at the coattails of his World Series championship that he brought to the Angels in 2002 and got himself a long contract and, you know, stayed there pretty much as long as he could. Stayed there for 18 years. He won the World Series championship in what was, what, his third season there. Uh, obviously got the ability to stay, the support from the owner. And then eventually he ends up leaving because the the Angels aren't winning. You know, the Angels with Mike Trout with the best player in baseball aren't winning. Brad Osmus comes there for one season. And I thought Osmus would be there for more than one year. He wasn't. The Angels make the pivot and they bring in Joe Madden. 
Now, I mean, to, to say, hey, Mike Social was there too long, and then to say Brad Osmus isn't the answer, and now just in the year number three, fire Joe Madden midseason shows to me that I, I don't I don't think there's enough of a pulse in the front office and the ownership when it comes to the Angels. You know, is Artie Marino turning into George Steinbrenner saying, hey, it's always the manager? Well, George Steinbrenner had more of a, a, a track record because, you know, his team's won in the 70s. You know, he could act, he acted like a jerk in the 80s and went through managers like, you know, you know like, like, like I go through hair. But he earned that because he, his teams won a couple World Series championships, and they were the Yankees. The Angels off of one World Series championship, you know, you don't seem more out of touch when you're blaming the manager for the team not performing, especially somebody like Joe Madden. I mean, I think there's few people in baseball that understand the role of the modern-day Major League Baseball manager better than Joe Madden. And when he says, hey, I want to manage again because I'm good at it, Sounds like a little snide comment. Sounds like a little pompousness and arrogance. But it's the friggin' truth. The guy knows what he's doing out there. The guy understands the role of gaining the pulse of the clubhouse and the players that go out there and they play every day. You know, they come to work. They play hard for Joe Madden. Whether it's Tampa Bay, whether it was the Cubs, whether it's the Angels. Now, they're just not good enough right now. Which... Could be on the general manager, could be on the owner, could be very well on the players. And once again, you could, I could get into this deep conversation talking about the lack of accountability when it comes to players that just aren't performing in baseball. And it's okay. And going back to what I was talking about before when it comes to the contracts, we get so enamored in these long-term contracts that we want to blame everybody else but the player. Anthony Rendon, yes, he's going through an injury right now. He comes back to play in 2023. There's going to be a little bit of a target on his back in regards to, listen, you're getting $245 million over seven years. Are you going to be able to perform to the obligations of this contract? And we say, oh, the Angels made a bad move. Well, maybe the Angels paid him a little too much money. But market value from a player that was just an integral part of their team winning a World Series in 2019, that plays a premium position at third base, that's an all-star, a silver slugger, can go out there, hit 300 with 30 home runs, there's a value for that. You want to say, hey, maybe that value is 100 plus million, maybe 100 to 150 million, not 245. All right, I'll let you win that leg of the argument. But when it comes down to it, the player's track record earned the big contract. And yes, you know, Garrett Cole was getting paid a lot of money. Steven Strasburg was getting paid about the same amount of money to stay in Washington, the same place that Rendon left. But this thought that, oh man, these teams are just throwing money at these players, at some point there's got to be some responsibility. Some responsibility to the players to stand up for the contract that they have. And, and that drives me crazy because there's no accountability set to these players. Albert Pujols took a lot of money for the Angels. And, and I love Albert Pujols and I hope somehow he can get himself close enough to 700 home runs 
that he could come back and play another season. I, I, I think Albert Pujols playing in Major League Baseball is a good thing. You know, it's hard when you're not playing every day for the St. Louis Cardinals, batting average down to 200, you know, 603 home runs. Remember the discussion we had when it came to A-Rod? And I thought A-Rod could, certainly could have toughened it out and hit four more home runs. Um, was it an inside job? Was it a Major League Baseball thing? The Yankees saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to cut him. No other team ended up picking him up. Is Major League Baseball saying, hey, we're not going to let this guy get 700 home runs? Why? Because he's a known steroid user? Was suspended for steroids? Don't get me started when it comes to steroids. But, you know, somebody like Pujols, I don't think he fulfilled the obligation of his contract with the Angels. Hit 256 in 10 seasons. You want to say batting average isn't that important? He had a, a, one, a 1031 OPS. And that includes his little time with the Cardinals now with St. Louis in 12 years. 758 during his time with the Angels. And that's 10 years. And once again, you say, oh man, the Angels, they gave a bad contract. What were you going to give Albert Pujols over that time? He hits free agency after the 2011 season, which by the way, and I think this is an easy thing to forget about, the St. Louis Cardinals won the World Series that year. Their second World Series in what, six years. So Pujols is a two-time World Series champion hitting free agency at his age 31 season. His batting stats at that time, 328 batting average, 1037 OPS, 170 OPS plus. One of the best players in the history of the sport for his first 11 seasons. 445 home runs, over 1,300 runs batted in, 1,300 runs scored, 2,000 hits already. So you're going back to that time, and what are you saying? You're saying this is a player you should sign for a five-year deal for $100 million? I mean, is that, does that make sense? It only makes sense to the people that don't understand finances when it comes to baseball and have their own finances screwed up. Albert Pujols, from a supply and demand issue, was going to get a huge contract. He was going to get an A-Rod type of contract based off of the career numbers that he had accumulated to that point. There was an understanding within that that there was going to be some depreciation and that he wasn't going to perform at the level that he did for his first 11 years over the next 10. Well, he fell off a little bit. And the Angels at some point had a responsibility to surround Pujols with some better talent. And once again, the Angels lucked out by drafting Mike Trout and having him becoming the star that he is. Remember, they signed Josh Hamilton. They signed Justin Upton. They signed Anthony Rendon. A series of offensive power hitters that ended up not answering the bell. And once again, we want to throw it and say, hey, this is an Angels thing. It's not an Angels thing. You, know, you want to say it's a, a baseball team thing that they're just throwing out too much money to these players. Well, what player, number one, isn't going to take it? You know, I remember Jason Bay signing a deal with the New York Mets prior to the 2010 season. I was excited. You know, and, and you look back at Jason Bay, and he's probably one of the biggest free agent flops that we remember but it's it's not it's not one of the worst of all time because he he didn't it wasn't a 10-year contract 
but nobody is going to sign Jason Bay to a 10-year contract. But the reason I bring this up is because Bay was entering his age 31 season, coming off of a year, and like I said, a complete different player than Albert Pujols, but a, a season in Boston where he hit 36 home runs, had a 921 OPS, a good career up to that point. And for the Mets to sign him to a four-year contract, you, know, you, you laugh at it. You say, oh, man, it couldn't have worked out any worse. But what would you think a player to that point was worth? A 280 batting average, 896 OPS, 185 home runs, and you're talking about seven seasons. Mostly from Pittsburgh and a little bit from Boston couple at bats with the San Diego Padres in 2003 but what do you expect because if it wasn't the Mets that signed him maybe Boston would bring him back maybe some other team would sign him to a multi-year contract are you expecting him to hit 259 with a 749 OPS and six home runs the next season in fact in his next three seasons or four seasons for that matter including his uh, last Hanging on with the Seattle Mariners, he ends he ends up hitting less home runs than he did in his 36 home run season in 2009. Now, he hit 37 home runs in four years, made what 60 something million dollars over the course of that time. So he hit one more home run, and I stand corrected, of course, one more home run in four seasons than he did in his last year in Boston in 2009. Are we more critical of Jason Bay than other players? Probably not, because Jason Bay's removed from the game. He's not hanging around anymore. Albert Pujols is still playing. But we look at teams that sign players to bad contracts, and we blame the teams. And then we go back, you know, Carl Pavano with the Yankees is an interesting one. If you remember... The contract that he signed with the Yankees, he was never healthy, and it was kind of a waste of time. But you go back to that time, a healthy Carl Pavano has an incre you know incremental dollar amount. You know that's important. And you look at Jason Bay, like I said, you know in 2013 gets paid 18.125 million to play baseball, and actually for the Mets are paying him that. So he could play for the Seattle Mariners. And he's nowhere near the same player. And like I said, we could bring up a ton of, of free agent busts as it exists in baseball. And we know there's a lot of them. But I think there's less emphasis when it comes to the blame that's thrown to the player than it is to the actual team. O'Neill Cruz goes out there for the Pirates. Throws a ball 96 miles an hour from the shortstop position. And, you know, I want this guy playing shortstop every day. I don't want the narrative about, oh, man, he's a little too tall. He's a little um, he's too big to play shortstop. Let him go out there and play. When you're talking about Pirates team that isn't going anywhere. Here's somebody that can hit. You know, are the Pirates coming around? Well, I thought the Pirates were the worst team in that division. Cubs seem pretty bad. Reds seem pretty bad. Even though the Reds aren't as bad as their 3-22 start. Have you watched the Cubs play baseball lately? 
you know, the Pirates beating them up yesterday. It's just interesting to see that the Pirates might actually be on their way. You know, you got the Yankees. Just don't seem to ever lose. Garrett Cole almost throwing a no-hitter. Manny Machado. Yeah, certainly hope that he recovers, comes back, and is uh, able to help the Padres soon. Machado really having his best season at this point. Ends up getting that ankle injury. He uh, escaped major injury, which was nothing broken or fractured, thank God. Um, you got Michael Lorenzen hitting his former teammate Justin Upton in the head. Um, Lorenzen blaming the baseball. And I think there is some substance to that. You think of the baseball. And you think of the fact that the sticky stuff has been removed from baseball. And you know, you've heard my cheating discussions. Oh, man. You know, you're so up in arms over sticky stuff on baseball like it's cheating and ruining the game. Yet, you got catchers that are cheating all the time trying to deceive the umpire into thinking a pitch that's outside of the strike zone is a strike. You know, you got left-handed pitchers that are literally balking every time they throw the ball to first base. But it's not called. Now, it's more on the umpires. The umpires should start calling a balk. But it's proof that selective cheating is accepted throughout the sport. But most importantly, that athletes and anybody in the world of competition is going to find any advantage that they have and they can use to their advantage. And especially if they believe that they're going to get away with it. And this leads me into the last thing that I wanted to bring up today. Major League Baseball started enforcing a rule of... uh, hand detachments. And you looked at a pitcher for the Reds by the name of Grant Ashcraft. Not that familiar with it. I'll, I'll admit I haven't seen a lot of him play in baseball. But he was told to remove his wedding ring from under his glove by umpires during a game against the Brewers. Now, he had a foreign substance inspection, and I guess they didn't find anything about it. But if you think about it, I'm looking, I'm putting my wedding ring out here. If I could somehow rub it against the ball, I could certainly put a groove in a baseball, right? Remember Mike Scott, 1986, Houston Astros, NLCS. You know, if I'm a, you know, Yogi Berra would do that. There's a lot of, there's been a lot of uh, examples of the wedding ring being used to scuff a baseball. Now, listen, do I think that this is the biggest uh, hurdle that Major League Baseball's got to get through? You know, umpires that should be worried about other things are sitting there worried about, um, you know, what the pitchers have or are doing to a baseball. The doctoring of a baseball we know has gone back for well over 100 years. Obviously, the death of Ray Chapman in 1920 with the Cleveland Indians at the time. And I'm not saying, I'm not mistaking the word guardians. They were the Indians in 1920. But his death was what it took for Major League Baseball to do something about the application of foreign substances on a baseball. It wasn't for the best of the game. It wasn't for the, excuse me, the betterment of the players on the field. It wasn't for the betterment of competition. It was, well, 
we just had a major catastrophe. A player died because a pitcher couldn't control where the baseball was going. And the best thing that they could do is changing, eliminate foreign substances, almost to a point where you could tell that they were ambivalent about this situation because they grandfathered 13 pitchers that were allowed to throw the spitball after the spitball was outlawed. So Burley Grimes got to throw it because he continued to pitch through the late 1920s. And there were pitchers that were allowed to throw a spitball because of a grandfather clause. So as much as it was for the safety of the players, it kind of wasn't because some people were still allowed to use it. We talk about now is the doctoring of baseballs, foreign substances to baseballs, is the intent of Major League Baseball to remove this from the game Is it for the health of players? Is it for the betterment of players? Is it to prevent injury from players? And I don't believe it is. I think it's the ability to manipulate offense where they feel like there isn't enough offense in a game. They try to do these things with these weird baseballs. You heard Michael Lorenzen, Kevin Gaussman, amongst others, talking about how the, the baseballs are very difficult and hard to grip. And you think baseball's, hey, in the best interest of the game, we want to protect the players. We want to uh, keep competitive advantages and keep players from having unfair advantages. And once again, I say with all due respect, it's a big crock of shit. It is. All baseball cares about is, is, is its revenues. They understand that pitching, dominating the sport is not good for the sport. If we get back to 1968, you know, you're not going to have pitchers like Bob Gibson pitching complete games. Don Drysdale's not throwing complete games. The game has been manipulated with all the uh, pitching changes, openers, relievers after relievers after relievers, which is not good for the fans. Fans don't like that. What could they control? The amount of offense that's in a game. And you make it like you care about the safety of the players out there. It's the exact opposite. Balls are getting away from pitchers. Players are getting struck by balls that are moving out of control because the pitchers can't grip it. It's certainly not a safety issue. It's baseball trying to manipulate itself and gain more offense by saying that it cares about its players. And let's be serious. Baseball does it. We'll be back with you hopefully Friday or Saturday to do another show. Passball show is brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, We'll do another show probably, like I said, Friday-ish. You can check out the show if not on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Music. Um, Just look me up, John Pielli, or you can put John Pielli third in there. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the friggin' World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on in my life. I may come out as the biggest 
Major League Baseball manager apologist. It'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude who plays the dude disguises another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100% unequivocally that pitcher was throwing at They put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. Years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion. 